Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Companions of the Message. This is Maha with Thursday Thoughts. So inshallah, I wanted to build from last week's episode on discipline and creating this mindset of what a Muslim should be. And when you have a mindset, it allows you to have a better outlook on life. And in order for us to see this world in the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it to be, we have to have discipline. As we discussed last episode, having discipline is important for your Muslim identity. But not only that, we need to continue to build on this mindset because this faith, the way you succeed, is you don't allow it to be a feeling or a vibe. That's not what Islam's about. You know, Christianity, it thrives on vibes and feelings. And this is why their churches are so lively and filled with the choirs and the preacher yelling and praising God in a way that's very entertaining because it's meant to control your emotions, the way music controls your emotion. This faith, it's more than that. Yeah, it's a feeling. Yeah, it makes you feel good. But it's an understanding. It's supposed to influence the way you perceive this world, the way you understand yourself, the way you see what's your purpose in this life. This is what Islam does. It really establishes theories and ideas for you to live with, not just for you to feel good with in the moment and then you're back into your routines. We don't need just Jumu'ah for our identity to exist. We don't just practice our faith on Fridays. We are Muslim every day of our life. So in order for us to have this mindset, we need to build on it. So I focused last episode on discipline, and this week I wanted to focus on manifestation. Understanding what is manifestation, seeing if manifestation is allowed to exist within my Muslim identity. So I watched that documentary on Netflix, and I think there's a book also named Secret. It's basically the secret to success, the secret to everything, and it all boiled down to just manifestation. And when I was watching, I was like, I feel this is a Muslim documentary because this is Islam. What is manifestation? It's you asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they kept using the word universe as if there was something else giving them what they need. And it's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you hear them, it really sounds pathetic that I'm crediting the universe. I'm crediting nothing rather than to credit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is manifestation? It is the law of attraction. That positive thoughts bring positive results in a person's life. And then negative thoughts bring negative outcomes. Subhanallah, this is manifestation. The Prophet Muhammad pushed for this idea for you to be optimistic, for you to be positive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is optimistic and you returning back to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is optimistic that you will call for him. That he says, And when my worshippers, when they ask about me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting. He has in hopes in you turning back to him and asking him for what you need. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is optimistic and he loves when we are optimistic. We have to be positive. We have to have this outlook in life, understanding that everything in this world came with wisdom, came with purpose, and it's from the source of all wisdom. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And subhanAllah, your thoughts are so powerful. Like we said, the law of attraction, you get what you are. If you are a positive person, you will see the positive in this world. And if you are negative, no matter where you are, you can be in Disneyland, you can be in Mecca, and you will still find something to complain about. You will still not be pleased. So your thoughts are extremely powerful. We all deal with this emotion of stress and anxiety. If you were to ask what causes your stress, what is causing your anxiety, you can say a person, but then if I remove that person, you will still have stress. You can say an experience, you moved on from the experience and yet you're still stressed and you're still stressed and you're still anxious. It is your thoughts. Your thoughts are what cause you stress and what causes you anxiety. So stress, stress is the root of almost every disease, of almost everything that goes wrong in our bodies. The doctor will tell you it's from stress. Stress releases hormones. 
that long-term make diseases. So you think about it in this way. And subhanAllah, I was watching this a psychologist talk about this and I took some notes and I try to bring it up in halaqas whenever I can because I found it to be so inspirational and it provided me with some action items for myself. So I start to think, what thoughts am I producing that's causing this stress, that's releasing these hormones that in the long run will cause me diseases, will cause me sicknesses? And it's your thoughts. We got to maintain our thoughts. And subhanAllah, when I was listening to him speak, I was just thinking it's so true that it is my thoughts that's really causing me to feel down, to feel low, to feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed, to feel anxious, to feel I can't get anything done. It's what I'm allowing my mind to focus on. And he mentioned this. He goes, if your thoughts are making you sick, then your thoughts can also make you well. And in that documentary, a woman mentioned that how she cured herself of cancer because of that manifestation. Because of producing those positive thoughts and not stressing over the idea of having cancer, she, subhanAllah, cured herself. And clearly with the will of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the reason why I wanted to dedicate an episode about manifestation, because I think it's pretty obvious that the law of attraction applies in our lives in Islam. And subhanAllah, I remember once I asked the younger sister to help us with how we should angle the halaqa, the weekly halaqa for the young youth. Because I want to be relevant to them. So I try to ask the girls that are around their age that I can like trust in their responses. And she said manifestation. I'm like, oh my God, I've been wanting to talk about manifestation. She's like, yeah, it's so bad on TikTok. And I'm thinking like, what does she mean? It's such a great thing to call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then to have him respond to you. So this is how I'm approaching it. She's like, no, it's not like that on TikTok and all these other platforms. Manifestation or other people, the way they understand things is that manifestation is you say it out loud seven times and then you write it down six times and then you throw it in the ocean. It's a whole bunch of nonsense. And it's just like, subhanAllah, even things that are good, even things that call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they find a way to ruin it. So I was just thinking like, I never thought of manifestation being practiced in that way, in such an ignorant way, but it's being pushed on social media. So I wanted to clarify that I'm not referring to that manifestation. I'm talking about the manifestation in which you are calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're not just calling out. I remember I watched this story on Snapchat and she was explaining manifestation to one of the people she was working with. You know, those things where they sit in the park and they record things and, and you know, they're trying to teach random people. So she was trying to teach her about manifestation. And she said, you know, when you place your order at the restaurant, when the waitress leaves with your order, you're not left wondering, you think she's going to bring it back? You think she'll do it? You think she'll do Of course, right? It's expected that when you make your order at the restaurant, the waitress or the waiter will bring it back to you the way you did it. And, you know, sometimes it has some mistakes, but, you know, they'll do their corrections. But you don't have any doubt that they're going to bring the food back. She said manifestation is like that. To call out to the universe, but with us, we don't call out to the universe. We call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have this expectation that because I called out for it, because I made dua for it, I have this expectation that for sure it's going to come back to me. For sure something positive is going to come my way. Because if we have this trust in a waiter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who provides way more than a waiter can and a waitress, without us even paying for it, just us trusting in Allah and asking from Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows up every single time, if not with what we ask or with better or with protection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always comes through for us, guaranteed. And yet when we make dua, we say, Ya Allah, give me this, give me this, give me this. And we have no care for it. We're just on repeat. We're on autoplay in the sense that we're not even realizing what we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. So when we talk about manifestation, I want you to know we are speaking about us calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking from Allah and having that trust. If these people, right, these disbelievers have trust in the universe, how do we look and not having trust in the one who created us? 
You know, the way they speak about the universe, I look at them, I'm like, subhanAllah, they have more tawakkul in this universe or whoever it is they're referring to, this higher power, more than Muslims have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all the miracles that are provided for us, with the Quran, with the sunnah. And subhanAllah, we still don't have that trust in Allah. So to circle back to our thoughts, our thoughts produce, like we said, the stress and the anxiety. And the way you remove those negative thoughts is you think positively. SubhanAllah, the way I think of a person, it will affect the way they treat me. So if I have this impression of you, if I have this impression that you're rude, and I start to treat you like someone that is rude, you start to act like it. When I start to look at you like, oh, you think you're better than us. SubhanAllah, we start to act like we're better than the person. When someone has this idea of who you are, you start to fill in those shoes. When someone thinks you're generous, you start to act in that way. So SubhanAllah, the way you think of a person will affect the way that they treat you. So your approach is the future reality. The way you approach something dictates the future of the reality with that person or with that whatever it is. So if you're approaching life with it being the worst, of it being miserable, then your future reality of life will be a life of misery. If you enter your marriage and you see it as something that's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to hate, it's something that ties you down, it's something that doesn't allow you to exist, that's what your marriage will become. You know, subhanAllah, I remember a sister was talking about mother-in-laws and she was saying like, you know, whenever someone talks about a mother-in-law, they really speak really negatively of them and they make you go into this marriage with your husband just hating his mother for no reason, subhanAllah. And she said, I removed that from my relationship with my mother-in-law and I really produced such an, a strong, authentic relationship with my mother-in-law because I didn't go in hating her. I didn't go in with this perception of her. So subhanAllah, her approach to her mother-in-law was that she's someone that's going to support her. She's someone that is going to be as if her second mother. And subhanAllah, that was the future reality relationship with this woman, with her mother-in-law. And subhanAllah, it's amazing to think that the way you approach things becomes your future reality so when you come into work and you're coming positive and you're coming like you're going to conquer the day and you're going to get so much things done guess what that will be inshallah your future if that's your approach but if you're going to work miserable hating life waking up tired you just woke up from sleep how are you already tired so subhanallah when you're going into work and you're negative and you're this and that that's how your day is going to look and subhanallah this is what manifestation is right the way you think of something is the way it's going to be perceived allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says i am as my slave thinks of me so this is what manifestation is. If you're thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be someone who is cheap, to be someone that hates you, that's just trying to make your life miserable, that is all you're going to see. Even if it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who is the most generous, the one who loves you, you will see Allah in that light because that was your perception of him. That was your approach to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we think of Allah, you have to manifest this relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I am as my servant thinks of me. Think of Allah filled with rahmah because that is who he is. It's not as if you're making out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be something that he's not and you're producing this good image of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already the best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already the most merciful, the most generous. So he already exists as that. So what is it going to take from you to see him in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described himself to be? So when we talk about manifestation, it's not just asking from Allah with dua. Manifestation is also the way you approach things. And you have to understand the way you approach your day, the way you approach your marriage, the way you approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affects your future reality with those relationships or with those experiences. You know, subhanAllah, to continue the hadith Qudisi in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
says, I am as my servant thinks of me, meaning I am able to do for him what he thinks I can do for him. So if you're going to limit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guess what your reality is going to be? Extremely limited. And if you're going to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his generosity, then your life will be filled with things and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the hadith, it continues, and I am with him if he remembers me. And if he remembers me in himself, like to himself, I too remember him in myself. And if he remembers me in a group of people, I remember him in a group that is better than his. So subhanAllah, even when you approach Allah with good thoughts, he has better thoughts. Even when if you approach other people with the good thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to a greater people about you. So subhanAllah, the, how that future reality is a lot greater than what you're even putting out. And the hadith Qudisi continues, and if he draws to me in an arm's length, I will draw to him with six feet more than that. So subhanAllah, you just have to just come to Allah, face Allah, walk towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he will do more than what you're giving. And not only that, the hadith continues, and if he comes to me walking, I go to him at speed. So subhanAllah, Allah is as his servant thinks of him, as his servant expects him to be. So if you're coming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the most, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come with you with even more than that. By the most, I mean with the most great thoughts. And it's amazing because this faith, it's perfected. It's a perfected lifestyle to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why people who have doubts in Allah have a really hard time practicing Islam. Because everything reminds them of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your salah is supposed to remind you of Allah. Your relationships is supposed to remind you of Allah. Everything, every action that you do is supposed to bring you back to your purpose, bring you back to you wanting to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why people who have doubts or people who don't like Islam or try to misguide people, it really bothers them the faith, the way we practice our faith because we're living a life that reminds us of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everything we do will remind you of Allah. So if you're someone who thinks negatively of Allah, who is upset with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for returning a loved one back to him, everything in life will remind you of that negative emotion that you have towards Allah. For the one who lost their wealth and blames Allah, everything in your deen, everything in the, in the lifestyle of a Muslim will remind you that this is the Lord that took from me. This is the Lord that took my father away. This is the Lord that took my money, took my status, took my whatever it is because you associate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with negativity. So everything in your deen is going to remind you of that negative approach that you had towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa'udhu billah. When we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as al-Rahman, when we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as al-Wadud, everything that we do in our deen, brings us this happiness, brings us the sweetness of Iman, that we're happy to worship Allah. You know, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, he encouraged us when we visit the sick to compliment them, to say, MashaAllah, you're looking great. You're looking better. You know, you look healthier. You look younger. You look so much better than yesterday. SubhanAllah, why did the Prophet wasallam, tell us to compliment the sick when we go and visit them? Because when they start to think it, the cognitive affects the material the reality so the way they're thinking of their situation starts to affect their mood you know someone comes around and tells me oh you look tired guess what i start like damn man i look tired i look i look bad i look exhausted and then i start to act exhausted subhanallah i wasn't tired at all i figured out i had a great night's sleep i was energetic and then this person came and told me i look tired and just ruined the whole reality of myself 
So when you are visiting someone and when you see someone that kind of looks down, follow the sunnah of the Prophet to compliment them. You don't got to tell someone they look sick. You don't have to remind them of the bags underneath their eyes. You know, if you compliment them, if you say something positive about them, the cognitive will affect the reality, the way they're thinking of their situation. It will alter their future reality because now they have a different approach on things. They're going to manifest something else. And this is what manifestation is. It's the law of attraction that when you're letting someone believe that they are sick and they already know they're sick and then you come and you come with a pity face and you feel bad for them, they're going to feel even more sick. They're going to believe it to an extent that they're going to feel more sick than they already are. You know, one time I did a surgery on my thumb. I had a benign tumor on it and I had it for a few years and then it just grew ridiculously big and I just had to get it removed. It was a simple procedure, alhamdulillah. And my family came to visit me. And then my brother-in-law came with my sister and I went to go get something. I got out of the bed basically and I was limping and he's looking at me and he's like, why are you limping? You had a surgery on your hand. And subhanAllah, because I was in the hospital, surrounded by all these people that are sick and when people would come and visit me, they would give me all this pity. I started to think I was more sick than I was. Meanwhile, I was completely fine. I could walk, I can do anything normally, but I started to have this idea of myself that I was more sick or was more incapable of doing things than I could. And when he told me that, I started to get up and I started to move better. And we've seen those videos on like TikTok or Instagram where a parent's holding their child and they, they hit the wall, they hit the door, make a loud sound, and they start acting as if the baby hit themselves. Meanwhile, they didn't. They didn't feel any pain. They didn't experience it. But because of the reaction they got from their parents, what does the baby do? The baby starts crying hysterically. The cognitive that they have of themselves, because you made them feel like they got hurt, they started to react. Their reality became, I got hurt. And they began to cry. And some of us, we don't cry, but we act really dramatically to experiences that are not even our own because we have the sympathy of others. And even vice versa, right? When a kid falls, and obviously it's not a big injury, they fall, they, you know, slip, whatever the case is, the baby actually looks at you. The kid looks at the parent or the adults in the room to see your reaction. And if you act like you didn't see them, and if you start laughing and you start acting as if nothing's wrong, the baby themselves get up and continue on with their day. But when they look at you and you give them that reaction that validates that something's wrong with them, they start to start crying and yelling and screaming. So subhanAllah, the cognitive affects the reality. And it's important to compliment people, to support people. And this is important as friends. SubhanAllah, we sometimes think being a good friend is validating every single emotion that this friend is telling us. And there's levels to it. For a person that you really know, you have to provide them with the reality in a way that supports the reality, that will produce a better reality for them. So when they are complaining about certain things, you're there to give them another perspective of what they're complaining about, to support them, to see this thought as something that can be a better reality, a better future, to allow that future reality to be more positive. And subhanAllah, we even see this in medicine. Doctors know the placebo effect works, but they don't want the liability. So subhanAllah, when the doctor gives a patient a placebo and tells them it's the medication and that it's going to make them feel better within a week, subhanAllah, in that week, that person will start to feel better about themselves, will start to produce a better reality of themselves because of the thoughts that they're producing, because the cognitive, what you're thinking will manifest something better. And this is what manifestation is. It's the way you think. It's the way you're speaking. It's the way you're acting. And that will change your future. You know, subhanAllah, you know when you see someone who has nothing physically, materialistically, has nothing, and they are so happy because it's the way they're looking at life. It's the way they're understanding their own life. That materialistic things do not dictate their happiness. 
And subhanAllah, when you have these positive thoughts, this is someone who may be even a disbeliever. When they get the placebo, they start to believe they're getting better. When they get the compliments, they start to feel better. They're getting the support that they need. They start to have a different reality. These are people that may be disbelievers. Imagine the ones who believe in Allah. And so the way that we embrace manifestation is that it has to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can't accept it if it doesn't. Allah won't accept it. We won't accept it. We have to understand that it's with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with positive thoughts and being optimistic that this cognitive will then produce something better with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That without him, you're just wasting your time. That yeah, your thoughts will produce things better, but not as great as it would with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not with the reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, when you think about qadr, when you think about destiny and your fate, um al-kitab, no one has access to that. But Allah al-mahfuz is presented for all the angels to see and it can be altered by your du'as or it can be limited by your sins so when we talk about manifestation calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala having these positive thoughts of Allah this is what can alter your destiny this can alter your fate in this world and when you have these good thoughts it produces du'a with sincerity it produces you making du'a and believing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can provide you with this and know that when you are constantly sinning you are limiting the blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there was a woman in the time of Musa alayhi salam and she kept approaching him and asking him ya Musa ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me to get pregnant I want to be a mother and she kept asking Musa alayhi salam ask Allah please ask Allah and so Musa alayhi salam every single time he would ask Allah and make dua for this woman that she becomes pregnant and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa alayhi salam it's not written for her it's not in her destiny it's not in her fate and so Musa alayhi salam went back and told the woman and each time the woman saw Musa alayhi salam she would make him ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again and again and again and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the same response it's not written for her and subhanallah Musa alayhi salam hadn't seen the woman for a few months and then he sees her and she's holding a baby and Musa alayhi salam is so confused and he goes up to her and he says whose baby is that she said it's mine Allah gave me a baby subhanallah think of this woman think of the sincerity you know subhanallah as a married woman and even as a non-married woman one of the greatest desires a woman has that Allah instilled within us is to be a mother and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us to be righteous mothers and to have righteous children. And so this woman is desperate to be a mother, is desperate to get pregnant. And Musa alayhi salam is so confused at the situation. He goes back to Allah and he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I thought you said this woman wasn't destined to have a baby. And Allah said, she kept calling me by Rahman and I was too shy. I was too shy not to give her this baby because she kept calling me by Rahman. And this is why it's so important and it's so valuable to call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the names that will grant the mercy that we need from him for the blessing that we are in need of. Subhanallah, when you think about this woman, you think about how much sincerity, how much she kept calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She probably stayed up in the night making dua to Allah. When you want something, ask yourself, have you gotten up for tahajjud? Have you been making dua for it with sincerity, with knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it to you? This woman was told by a prophet that it's not written for her and it didn't stop her. Subhanallah, Qadr didn't stop her. The Lawh al-Mahfud did not stop her. Musa alayhi salam did not stop her. She kept asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that is so amazing and such a great lesson for us to understand. 
that even if everyone tells you this is not realistic, you cannot have this job, you cannot have this kind of husband, you cannot have this baby, whatever it is, ask from Allah with such sincerity, with such conviction, the same way we have this trust in the waitress to bring back our food, have trust in your Lord, the one who created you, the one that loves you, that he will manifest the du'ats that you so desperately need. You know, subhanAllah, in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah says, الَّذِي خَلَقَ سَبْعَ سَمَوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقَ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ تَفَاوَتْ فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ هَلْ تَرَى مِنْ فُطُورٍ He created the seven heavens, one above the other. And you will never see any imperfection in His creation. No matter how many times you look and observe and get the biggest microscope you can ever find and build, you will not see a flaw in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. And Allah says, فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ Look again, look again, keep looking. I want you to search for it because you're never going to find it. So subhanAllah, Allah, when he spoke about the creation of this world, Allah created this world. He created you with rahmah. This creation is a manifestation of Allah's rahmah. So whenever you're out, just know this is an extension of Allah's rahmah. The fact that Allah allowed this world to be filled with oxygen, that we don't need anything to fill our lungs, that we have to buy, it's for free. The oxygen is for free. So subhanAllah, this creation is a manifestation of Allah's rahmah. And this is why I keep emphasizing that this faith, it's not a vibe. It's not trying to affect your feelings because feelings change easily. I can easily ruin your day. Easily with a short text of three words, five words, I can ruin your entire day. I can ruin your mood. I can make you cry because feelings are easy to influence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not trying to influence your feelings towards Islam. He's not trying to make you like it. He's trying to make you understand your world. He's trying to make you understand your purpose through the Quran and the Sunnah, showing you guidelines, giving you a role model to follow. And this is why I love Islam. It's a balance because you understand things. You're not extreme right, neither are you extreme left. You know, the Yehud, Bani Israel, they were extreme left. And if you read the Torah, if you read the Old Testament, you will see that they used to kill their prophets. Forget not believe them or ignore them. They used to kill prophets left and right. They thought they knew better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in choosing a prophet, that it shouldn't have been this man. And so they used to kill them. So this was the far left, the people who thought they knew better than the prophets, better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you have the people who took Jesus Christ as their Lord. Subhanallah, they fell in love with the messenger and they forgot the message. They forgot what he was preaching. They were just so infatuated with the way he was as a beautiful man, as someone who was so filled with love and filled with mercy, subhanallah. They were just so taken aback by the messenger. They lost touch with the message. They lost touch that he was teaching Tawheed, the oneness of Allah. And so we are neither far left where we have this arrogance, where we think it's just a battle of wits. No, it's a battle of understanding your faith. The best kind of worship you can do is studying your faith and attaining knowledge to build on that, to remove any doubts. And neither are we far right where we take Prophet Muhammad as more than a man. And we try to idolize him in the sense that he's not even human. He's like an angel. We don't take the Prophet Muhammad as that. He is beloved by us. He is the most beloved, but he is a man. And we love him for connecting us to the source of our faith, who was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is where the love comes for Prophet Muhammad It is through him that we get to experience the everlasting miracle of the Qur'an. It is through his life that we understand how we're meant to practice this faith that will please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We love him 
So Allah can love us. And we love Him for many other reasons as well. But the source of that love is understanding our faith and not just feelings. You have to understand why you love the Prophet Muhammad In weekend school, we drill the kids, Prophet Muhammad he's the best, to love him. But you know, as they grow up as adults, they never received more knowledge on him. So they don't even know why. And this is why they lack following him. They don't know their reason in loving him. And the reason why we love the Prophet Muhammad is because he brings us closer to our purpose and understanding our faith. And subhanAllah, I really want to establish this idea that this faith isn't about feelings, it's about ideas. It's about you understanding and having a better perspective and outlook on life. You have to create these positive thoughts. Meaning this faith, its goal isn't just to make you feel good. Its goal is to make you understand. And then you are meant to sit and ponder. How many times does Allah say to reflect? These are for people who reflect. These are people who ponder. These are people who think. You're meant to create those positive thoughts for yourself when you sit and you reflect on the ayat, when you sit and you reflect on the Quran, when you sit and you reflect and when you're outside seeing the trees, how in the winter they're a lot thinner. There's no leaves on them. They look dead and dry. And then subhanAllah, spring and summer comes and the bark is thicker. The trees are full and lush with green leaves. SubhanAllah, this is meant to affect your thoughts. But this faith, it's meant to have you understand your faith, to build that understanding. In the battle of Al-Khandaq, the battle with the trench, right? In which they were digging a trench to protect themselves. It was one of the scariest wars the Muslim means ever had. It was also called the battle of Ahzab. Ahzab means the Confederates. Confederates meaning people grouping together to go against you. So there were so many tribes unifying themselves to fight the Muslimin. So you had multiple tribes outside of Medina trying to come in and to take over. And then you have the Jewish tribe who was under the protection of the Muslimin turning against the Muslims. So the Muslimins have a lot to consider. In the beginning, they were just building the trench against the people outside of Medina. And so they got to this huge rock. And subhanAllah, when you read about this battle and the Prophet Muhammad was down in the trench with the men digging. And it's just like, subhanAllah, as a leader, as a man, you know, sometimes we think as a leader is like just delegating. To be honest, anyone can delegate. When I see a leader just delegating, I look at them, I'm just like, okay, but what are you doing? I'm following up. But okay, but what are you doing? You got to do more than just follow up because that's an easy task. The higher you go in ranks, you should be serving more. It's not just about delegating. It's about being part of the process. The Prophet Muhammad didn't just delegate people. You do this, you do that. You do. No, he was part of the mission. And it's not as if he stretched himself thin. When he had someone who could do the task, he would send them off. But if it was within his community, within where he was, he was part of that movement. He was part of the mission. And so the Prophet Muhammad is with the men digging. And they come across this huge rock that they couldn't get through in order for them to complete the trench. And then subhanAllah, one after another, the sahabas were trying to hack at it and they couldn't break it. So the Prophet Muhammad said, give me the ah. This is the man. This is the Prophet Muhammad So he went into the trench and he said, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. And then he hit the stone. And with one hit, one third of the stone crumbled. And when it crumbled, he said, Allahu Akbar. I have just seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me the keys to a sham. By Allah, I can see the red castles in a sham right now. When you think about this, what was the Prophet trying to do? I'm going to continue the narration, but I want you to think about that. What kind of mindset, what kind of perspective was the Prophet Muhammad trying to instill in these men? Because right now they're going through a hard time. The food is limited. It's very, very cold. Their enemies outnumber them. 
And subhanAllah, the very first land the Muslim means conquered after the death of the Prophet Muhammad And this siege began in Abu Bakr's Khalifa and then it ended with Umar anhu's Khalifa was Asham. He hit it again, two-thirds of the stone is now crumbled. And he said, Allahu Akbar, I have been given the keys of Persia. And I can see its white pillars. And subhanAllah, the very second land the Muslim means conquered was Persia. And now there's still one-third of the rock left. And then upon hitting that third rock, it crumbled. The entire stone was gone. And he screamed, Allahu Akbar, I have been given the keys of Yemen. And wallahi, I see the doors of Sana'a right now. And of course, Yemen as well was conquered. So when you think about this incident, what was the Prophet Muhammad trying to do? He was trying to inspire these men, to allow them to manifest that they are going to conquer these lands, beginning with their words, beginning with believing in it. You have to know, I will get this done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me this blessing. I will work towards this blessing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it to me, give me better, or it's a protection for me. You have to have these ideas. The Prophet Muhammad was trying to motivate these men, trying to show them that we will get this done. Right? Right now we're in a trench and it's muddy and it's cold and there's not enough food and we're outnumbered but don't worry we're gonna conquer all these lands the sahabas عنهم, imagine how motivated they were to know that it's not about today it's about the future it's about the future reality of this ummah and they worked towards that and they were successful in that subhanallah all three accounts were their reality in the future Subhanallah, the Prophet Muhammad when he did his hijrah from Mecca to Medina with Abu Bakr Suraqa ibn Malik found them and there was like a bounty on their head that if you see these two men, there's a reward. And Suraqa found them. And Subhanallah, every time he tried to get closer to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stopped his horse. And then the Prophet Muhammad told him that you will be wearing the bracelets of Kisra, the bracelets of Persia. And Subhanallah, six to seven years after the Prophet's death, when they conquered Persia, Umar he calls out for him to sit on the throne and he puts on his hands the bracelets of Kisra, who was the ruler of Persia. So the Prophet Muhammad showing Suraqa that what he said wasn't a lie. That when you have manifestation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's so powerful. Knowing that I'm calling out to Allah and I have these positive thoughts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is as you think of him. Manifestation, it comes in three parts. It's your thoughts, it's your speech, and it's your dress. We spoke about your thoughts and your speech today. The way you think, that your thoughts affect you. Your thoughts are what produces your stress and your anxiety. The way you speak of yourself, the way you interact with people affects the reality of the future, right, of the situation. The way I treat you, the way I'm speaking towards you will then manifest my relationship with you. The way I speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way I carry myself, all that reflects your speech and your thoughts. But then your dress. I really want to talk about this because we live in a society where we really can't talk about it or we're not allowed to like really say what's right or what's the truth and what's wrong. When we talk about Judaism and Christianity not being the truth openly, we will openly say it that believing in Jesus Christ as a Lord is wrong. It removes you from Islam and that following the laws of the Jews also is wrong because they've produced their own laws and thought they were better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they didn't follow their prophets. When we'd say these truths about Christianity, you would never consider me or any other Muslim antichrist. And when you say these things about Judaism, you know, for the most part, you wouldn't consider me anti-Semitic. You would just say that doesn't align with my truth as a Muslim. 
So why is it when it comes to the LGBTQ, when we speak our truth and how it doesn't align with our identity as a Muslim, why are we then seen as homophobic? Why are we then seen as transphobic? Why are we seen as everything? Because it doesn't align with our truth. It's the reality. It doesn't align with our truth. And this is what I want to tackle. Your dress is so important. You know, subhanAllah, drag queens, trans people, in order for them to feel like a woman, it's not enough for them to feel it. It's not enough for them to speak like a woman. It's not enough for them to walk like a woman. They have to dress it. That when they dress like a woman, they finally feel like a woman. And the same thing for the opposite, right? For a woman to feel like a man, she has to not only just walk and talk like a man. No, she has to now dress like a man. That the dress is what really transforms them into their preferred gender. We have to think deeper on this. That your dress is part of your manifestation. So let's say, as a Muslim, looking at these trans people and looking at these people that, you know, are drag queens and whatnot, if it takes for a grown man to dress like a woman to feel like a woman, guess what it's going to take for you to feel more like a Muslim woman or more like a Muslim man? That your dress really does affect the way you manifest your deen, you manifest your identity as a Muslim. It affects it. You cannot say, I have Iman in my heart and your dress is completely opposite of what your Iman is. And it's not saying people who dress in modestly don't have any iman i'm not saying that what i am saying is that the person that dresses muslim allows for an environment for them to practice their islam meaning that when i'm dressed in my abaya in my hijab or if another sister is dressed in her naqab you think anyone's gonna come up to me or her and offer us a blunt or offer us anything that is against our faith or try to hit on us and i'm not saying you know when we dress modestly no one hits on us there's dogs everywhere i'm not talking about them but I'm just trying to say that when you dress a certain way, you invite a certain environment. And when I dress modestly, I'm now allowing for a Muslim environment to surround me. And when I dress immodest, I'm allowing for a different environment to surround me. That when I dress more Western, when I used to dress Western, people would talk to me differently. People felt more comfortable cursing. People felt more comfortable saying things. Guys in my class would try to give me a hug or give me a handshake. And, you know, I would completely like tell them, no, I'm thinking like I'm wearing the hijab. Why don't they get it? But then subhanAllah, as time goes, as you start to understand your faith, you start dressing differently. You're allowing your faith to exist in how you're dressing. SubhanAllah, your faith is an extension of so much of the way you're speaking, of the way you're dressing. So when I'm dressing in a certain way, People are afraid of me and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad they are because I'm not anyone. I am a Muslim woman. It comes with standards. And if you're too afraid to figure out those standards, don't even approach me. And I'm fine with that. SubhanAllah, the way you dress allows your modesty, allows your Islam to manifest. It's equivalent to speech. It's equivalent to thoughts. Your dress is extremely important. Just think of it. If it takes a grown man or a grown woman to have to dress in the opposite gender, and that's what they need. That's what completes themselves in that gender. What about you and your faith? What's going to complete your faith? You know, these people believe they're the opposite gender. They tell themselves, they have the thoughts. So with their manifestation, they have the thoughts, they have the speech, but they need the dress to complete it. You as a Muslim, you have to have positive thoughts in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to speak it, meaning you have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to show it in the way that you speak with gratitude and the way that you treat the blessing that Allah has given you, whether that's with people or with things. And not only that, but with your dress, dressing like a Muslim, whether that's within the guidelines of a woman or a man allow your dress to show your faith and i want to end with this ayah where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says 
والظاهر والباطن وهو بكل شيء عليم Allah says he is the first and the last the one that manifest and the hidden and he is the knower of all things so when you want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remember he is as you think of him he will be to you what you expect him to be so have high expectations with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is limitless Know that when you want something, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source, is the core of that manifestation. Understand that it is through your thoughts, your speech, and your dress that you allow this manifestation to exist. Understand that your thoughts, your cognitive alters the reality, will affect your future. That subhanAllah, the way you approach things will affect the future reality. And subhanAllah, that kind of summarizes the entire episode. So jazakumullahu khairan for listening. You know, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to always be optimistic, to allow us to always have positive thoughts, to think of Him in the best way, to constantly call out to Him with sincerity and knowing with such yaqeen and certainty that He will provide for us. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again, وَهُوَ الْأَوَّلُ وَالْآخِرُ وَالظَّاهِرُ وَالْبَاطِنُ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Jazakumullahu khairan for listening. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.